Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut in the United States. And in February of 2016, I put myself on a ketogenic diet to take control of my metabolism. In just two and a half months, I managed to reverse all my markers of type 2 diabetes with diet alone. As of now, I'm 80 pounds lighter with no signs of diabetes or heart disease. Hi, I'm Richard Morris in Denver, Colorado. Hey, wait, I'm in Denver, Colorado too. Yeah, that's right. We're attending Low Carb Wreckage 2018. Uh, and I've been on a ketogenic diet since April of 2014. When I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've lost about 100 pounds, and I've completely turned my health around. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in ketosis. Oh, yeah. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. <laughs> We're not doctors. We don't want to give any medical advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're both actually software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? No way, no how. We've done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind them. We hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make. And you'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Oh, yeah. We love to cook and we love to eat. Mm -hmm. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that will not. Cannot be ignored. Cannot and will not be ignored. <laughs> All right, so let's start podcast number 107, Ketogenic Pregnancy with Anna Lee Fowler. You say do for a little? So Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Let's see, that was uh, Dr. Eric Westman. Yeah. Uh, no, I think he, he, he nailed it, got everything right. He's great. Yep. So let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is. Sure. Ketogenic diet is any diet where you're burning fat for fuel. That's it. Puts you in a state of nutritional ketosis. Yep. And we make ketones from the fat. It's one of the byproducts of fat. As yep. we're using the fat for energy, we also make ketones and they keep our brain going and uh, they defray our need for glucose. That's right. So the easiest way we know to do that is to not eat any sugar or starch. Keep your carbohydrates to less than 20 grams a day, mostly from green leafy vegetables, maybe yeah. some eggs, maybe some dairy. And you want to have moderate protein, which is one to one and a half grams of protein for every kilogram of lean body mass that you have. Right. And we get all of our energy from fat. <laughs> it's kind of weird doing that in the same room. It is. We are actually in the same room. Usually we are, we're which is unusual. Yeah. Different sides of the world. Um, so uh, how was your week? Uh, it was interesting. I've uh, been making my way across the world to get from Australia to Breckenridge. Right. Uh, so uh, that was interesting. Um, for the first time ever, I went on one of the world's largest flight legs, which is from Sydney to Dallas-Fort Worth. Yeah. And I tell you that I, I want to travel through Dallas every time because wow. it was like a 10-minute process to pass through customs and get my bag checked and everything. Wow. Whereas in LAX or uh, San Francisco, they're the, uh, they're the two other mm. ports of entry for Australians. Um, it's like a one to one and a half hour delay so wow. loved it um and also uh second week of university which is uh, i've just taken on on a new subject which is human biology and i've just done a whole bunch of nutrition and let me put it this way i'm going to have to rote learn a lot of things that i don't agree with to be able to pass this subject uh, oh well. 
But anyway. Well, that's good. You, it's it's good thing that you're doing it. Yeah. So, how was your week, huh? Well, obviously, we're here in Breckenridge. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah. A lot of the speakers that were at Keto Fest last year are here. Yeah. A lot of our friends are here. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're we're in a house like we were last year, this big yeah. Airbnb house, and cooking every day and every night. Um, it's just fantastic. But the big news is the Keto Fest Kickstarter launched yeah. a few days ago from this recording. Sure. And like in the first two days, we were already at 20%. Well, I know, right? It's outstanding. There must have been a pent-up demand. Yeah. A lot of people have been asking us, when's it going to launch? When's it going to launch? Right. So, uh, so what we're doing is we're uh, using Kickstarter to, to, to get funding for the, for the whole event. Yep. Basically, people who uh, want to go to the event go to Kickstarter and they buy their tickets on Kickstarter. Right. And if enough people buy uh, tickets so that we can afford to run the event, yep. we will do the event. Uh, and at that point, you get debited the amount of money that you've paid for your tickets. That's right. And if we don't get enough people to do the event, um, the event will fail and uh, everyone will get refunded. Well, they won't get debited. They won't get debited, That's yeah. That's right, yeah. So, so, so there's no loss if you know if it, if it doesn't work. No, yeah. There's no risk for you. Mm. There's no risk for us. That's the whole beauty of Kickstarter. Yeah. So the big thing that we're doing differently this year is we're expanding Science Sunday to be twice as many. Yeah. Twice as many talks, twice as many speakers. Yeah. So all the research in science, that's going to be at the Guard Arts Center, those yeah. kinds of things. And then practical applications of the ketogenic diet, we'll have talks at the, the Crocker House Ballroom. At least that's where we want to. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Another thing that's going on is, you remember last year at the Spark Makerspace, they yeah. had a kitchen. Yeah, that's where we did all the uh, the demonstrations, the keto cooking demonstrations. Well, right. that place has turned into a professional uh, production kitchen. Wow. Yeah. It was a it, bit claustrophobic last time because they did right. they were doing other things. They had like a woodwork shop yep. and they had electronic now manufacture. Now it's all kitchen. The, the woodworking wow. stuff in the back is going to be a production kitchen. And all of the uh, space in where the kitchen was, where we were doing demonstrations, is tables yeah. and standing rooms. So. Yeah. Not only that, but uh, we've teamed up with professional catering. The people that are doing this, uh, that are putting this space together, RD86. And uh, they're going to make covers for everyone who wants them for our samples. Wow. So, remember last time we gave away two tickets to everybody yeah, that could Yeah, because we taste. had to limit the amount of um, servings that we made. Right, yeah. right. This way, anybody who goes to Keto Fest, you can just walk in, say, yeah, I want one of those. And uh, assuming that... There's any left? Yeah, right. <laughs> you'll uh, you'll get them. Yeah. So we're expanding, and that's yeah. why the goal is higher, mm-hmm. and that's why the price is higher. Yeah. A lot of people asked us after the first Kickstarter. They love the event, but they wanted to have more talks, or they wanted to have right. you know more kitchen stuff. And so this this is their opportunity to do that. So, exactly. Yeah. So that's the big news. Mm. Go to ketofest.com and uh, and pledge to get your tickets reserved right away. And we are actually, interestingly, we're doing two events either side of Keto Fest. We're doing a fasting event on the first day. Right. And after Keto Fest, we're doing professional cooking lessons. Right. And we've got a professional chef coming up from New York, and we're using the same kitchen space that yep. we use for the kitchen uh, demos. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to be doing keto cooking lessons. Yeah. And these will be hands-on cooking lessons mm. with groups of five or less. Yeah. And I'm not sure how long they'll be, but basically you get to do the cooking. And that's... and And let's... Go back to Fasting Friday. That's uh, Megan Ramos. She's going right, to basically yeah. have an event. From Jason Fung's practice. Yeah, yeah. from IDM. She's yeah. going to be hosting this and t- talking about all the research and practical data that they've gotten from their, from yeah. their fasting group. That's going to be amazing. Yeah, that's really good. 
All right, enough about that. <laughs> All right, it's time to give away a mug. Sure. A mug with our mugs on it. Absolutely. It says, keep calm and keto on. It's got the dude's picture on it. And uh, we like to give these away to a random member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club in every show. And if you don't know what that is, just go to fanclub.twoketo.com. You answer a few questions. You join the club. Yep. And now your name and email is in the running to be picked randomly at every show. Sure. Right now, it's mugs. Later on, it could be could something be books, else. It could be anything. could yeah. be anything. could be a Keto Fest ticket. Yeah, we should do a Keto Fest ticket. But maybe we should do it after, the, after we've kick-started. Yeah, let's do that. A couple of weeks' time. Yeah. yeah, okay. So, Carl, who is our lucky winner? Our winner today is George Hernandez. Congratulations, yes. George. <laughs> Congrats. You've been picked at random mm-hmm. to win a mug. And if you don't want to wait to win a mug, uh, you can always buy one at gear.2keto.com and pick yourself up a T-shirt while you're there or any other old crap with uh, our faces on it. <laughs> exactly. And that brings us to... Mail! Mail! All right, I'll go first. This one came from our ketogenic forums, and Deb says, Am I doing this wrong? This morning I noticed I'm up a pound. Probably no need to worry, but wanted to share what I ate, etc., to ensure I'm doing this right. Mm-hmm. I'm now in week three of keto. Yeah. So I gained a pound this morning on the scale. My blood ketone reading was only 0.8. I do have dawn phenomena. I guess I should probably start testing my glucose levels. Yeah, maybe. Well, yesterday as follows. One and a half hours of tennis doubles, 9 to 11 a.m. Mm. So, a lot of exercise. Hey. Macros at the end of the day, 5% carbs, 73% fat, 23% protein. Total net calories, 1305. When I work out in the morning, I typically find I must consume approximately 800 calories for breakfast to give me energy and clarity for my workout, which is usually cardio-intensive. Yesterday, my breakfast consisted of 8 gram net carbs, 4% carbs, 77% fat, 19% protein, two slices of thick-cut bacon, Mm, bacon. keto cream cheese pancakes, (laughs) two eggs, two ounces of cream cheese, a tablespoon of coconut flour, two teaspoons of ghee, a tablespoon of ground flax, coffee, a teaspoon of heavy cream, scoop of collagen peptides. Sounds like a pretty awesome breakfast. Yeah. I wasn't super hungry at lunch, so I consumed chicken broth with steamed bok choy and broccoli. Nice. Mid-afternoon, I had a coffee with MCT oil. Dinner was a small portion of pan-roasted salmon with olive oil and butter, roasted cauliflower, and broccolini. This morning, I'm hungry, and I'm eating the same breakfast because I'll be exercising again this morning. Do I just need to keep calm and keto on and no need to worry, or am I doing something wrong? I don't have a lot of weight to lose, maybe 15, 20 pounds. My goal is weight loss, but also to regulate my hormones, glucose, and insulin as I'm pre-diabetic, and I have a hard time regulating my morning fasting glucose. I'm also a cancer survivor, and I feel the disease was brought on by my intolerance to sugar and excess uh, insulin growth factor, IGF-1. I guess my ultimate goal is to prevent a recurrence of cancer. Yeah. Why don't you go first, Richard? I have a few observations, but you, sure. you'll probably cover them. So I would say that, yes, you keeping calm and ketoing on is the ideal way to, to approach any slight um, uh, plateaus or you know slightly go up on the scale. Agree. The, the body is going to um, 
change its weight based on your hydration levels and you've done all this exercise, you yeah. may have over-rehydrated or, you know, th these are things that, that you really should be, for, for, your, for your weight measurement, you really should be sort of taking an average of what you've been over the last five days and, and, and using that because… And also measuring. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're exercising a lot, you're building muscle. That's true. You know? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're only three weeks in. So, yeah. so we're, we're just starting the process. What, right. And plus, you've only got 15 or 20 pounds to lose. So, that, that's a different status than somebody who has 120 pounds to lose. Because what happens with them is as soon as they stop eating food that increases their insulin, all of a sudden, their, their energy comes flying out. Yeah. And so, um, the, all that stored energy in their body fat. And so, uh, it's a different scenario with somebody who's only got a small amount of weight to lose. It may take some time. Uh, to, to lose weight, uh, you will probably find that your body will recompose. Uh, it, I mean, you, you may draw down body, some body fat and add some muscle, and that may end up causing you to weigh more. Yeah. So, you know, this is uh, – um, uh, but you'll have more lean tissue. So, that's the thing. The other thing I can observe is that 1,300 calories and two hours of exercise is kind of like caloric restriction. It is a bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I'm not saying that – that that's a bad thing because you're not restricting calories and breaking out of ketosis. Your insulin isn't high, obviously. Yeah. But you are restricting calories, so you're going to be more hungry. Right. And the cure for that, of course, is more fat. Yeah. Yeah. And the the lunch meal, the the uh, broth with uh, some uh, Chinese vegetables. Mm. I mean, that sounds delicious, but it do doesn't sound like it has a lot of fat. No. And so you might want to. Uh, you may want to consider, for example, whisking up some butter into it. Yeah. So, you know, that, uh, that might make it a little bit more satiating. Yeah. Um, you might find that if you uh, have a decent enough breakfast, once you become really fat adapted, and for some people it takes five, six weeks. You've right. only been doing it for three weeks. But you might find that once you become fat adapted, you may not even feel like having breakfast in the morning. Or right. you may feel having breakfast in the morning, you don't feel like eating again until dinner time. Right. Or, you know, so so these are these are things that you'll find as you keep calm, keto on. But um, you yeah. certainly you certainly eating the, the the right ratio of I agree. Uh, macros. Yep, I agree. You might just need to eat more if you're hungry. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's what I got. I've got one from Facebook. Uh, this actually comes via Messenger, and this came from Shannon Michelle Butler. And uh, Shannon says, "Hello, I've been listening to you for a while, and I wanted to let you know." Uh, that I made your polenta recipe for dinner. This is a recipe that I did like in the third or fourth episode. It was right. really early on. Right. And this recipe is one I made, I think, in like the third or fourth show. Yeah. And it was Julie's recipe to make uh, polenta from almond meal. Yeah. And it uh, basically uses almond meal and uh, parmesan cheese and yeah. stock to, to sort of replicate the flavor of mm. Corn grits, or yeah. as the Italians call them, polenta. So um, anyway, Shannon goes on to say, I made your polenta recipe for dinner, and in another pan, I fried up some onions and some smoked sausage. I then opened a small can of chipotle peppers and blended those until smooth and poured that over the smoked sausage and then added some heavy cream. I eyeballed that. Mm. Um, and some Cajun seasoning with a pinch of swerve. I let that simmer for a little bit and then stirred it over the polenta. Yum. Mm. Nice. I just wanted to share. Keep calm, keto on. <laughs> and I've got to say, oh my, Shannon, I think you've may you may have just made both the mail and the recipe section. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to try that. Absolutely. So that's my that's my mail for the day. Excellent. Okay, so we're going to roll the recording that we did last week with Annalie Fowler. Yeah. 
And I believe you introduced her. I did. I did. So let's roll the recording and take it away. Okay, so we have a guest here today, uh, Annalie Fowler, who has been a member of our Facebook group and a member of our ketogenic forums and is a long-term ketogenic dieter. Uh, Annalie, welcome to Two Keto Dudes. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's really great to be here. Oh, well, great to have you here. And also a ketogenic mom. Yep. Um, baby's three weeks old. Wow. Doing well. Fantastic. That's excellent. So tell us your story. You had a uh, type 2 diabetes and uh, gestational diabetes during pregnancy? Um, So I uh, had gestational diabetes. Um, Actually, my story starts, I would say, 12 years ago when I had my daughter. I was 25 years old and I thought I was very healthy, was, you know, an athlete and and thought I ate healthy and had gestational diabetes at 25 years old. Um, when I was pregnant with her, um, went on the standard diabetic diet and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I was eating 45 carbs for breakfast and 60 for lunch and dinner, the prescribed diet and seemed to do okay on that. Um, Mm. never had to go on medication, but then that was just my clue that I, I was going to have metabolic problems and my dad is, um, a diabetic and so runs in my family. But um, doesn't gestational diabetes usually clear up after pregnancy? Right. You know, as soon as you deliver, um, they say, you know, my OB said, as soon as that placenta comes out, what the thing that's poisoning you is, is done and, and you're not diabetic anymore. So, you know, after my daughter, I had chocolate cake in the delivery room because I wasn't <laughs> diabetic anymore. So, Yay. you know. <laughs> Um, so, but the thing that I realized when I, when I did, you know, even though I was eating a significant amount of carbs still, it was a controlled carb diet. My blood sugar was controlled. I felt so much better, um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, just eating tons and tons of carbs, whatever I wanted. So fast forward, um, you know, 11 years or so, and I had not been, uh, you know, following any kind of carb control diet, I'd gained maybe 30 pounds or so and ended up having two miscarriages. And my husband and I decided we needed to do something to get healthier because I was approaching uh, 36 years old and um, didn't really, we wanted to have a baby, but didn't want to have any more losses. So we both went keto October of 2016. Now, was it because of the uh, perceived benefits for fertility or was it just general um, health? General general health. I um, knew that like my fasting blood sugars had been elevated. My A1C was about 5.6, 5.7. I'm a nurse. So I kind of see yeah. a lot of um, the consequences of diabetes. I work with cardiothoracic surgery and um, my husband actually had uh, very elevated triglycerides um, in the 800s or so, and his doctor wow. put him on a statin, and um, yeah. which we know doesn't work really for triglycerides. <laughs> so, <laughs> and his you know numbers just got worse. So I kind of did some research, and so did he, and we both you know thought keto would be the right thing for us. And then mm. I you know saw the benefits that people have been seen with PCOS and fertility and all that. So we both mm-hmm. figured it wouldn't hurt. So then, you know, we both lost some weight. I lost about 25 pounds. He lost about 35 pounds. And um, 
then I was able to get get pregnant um, about six months later. And Mm. but I knew I was going to have gestational diabetes again because just, you know, any time that I was pregnant, I developed diabetes right away. So, yeah. Yeah. So my approach was um, I wanted to be proactive, stay keto check my blood sugars, not do the awful uh, glucose tolerance test mm. <laughs> that they oh, want yeah. you to do. Because I, I knew I already yeah. had a, a problem with with blood sugar. Right. Well, if you um, were keto, you probably would have failed a glucose oh, tolerance test. absolutely. They would have come back yeah. and said you're type 1, mm. which yeah. is, you know, it's, it's a false diagnosis. But. Yeah, yeah. No, mm. I and I kind of... Um, did a couple tests on my own, you know, one, one day I ate a bowl of cereal and, and my blood sugar was 185 <laughs> after that. So, you know, it's, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and then I reported closely back to my midwives and the OB that was following sure. me and, and let them know what my blood sugars were doing. So. Mm. So did you at any point in this uh, second, this this uh, this pre- most recent pregnancy um, become gestationally diabetic. Um, I yeah, I assumed that I was um, just based on what my blood sugar numbers were doing because my fasting right. sugars kept going up, and I had been on metformin actually um, for the sure. PCOS and fertility benefits of that mm. um, prior to becoming mm. pregnant. Um, so. Yeah, my fasting numbers tended to increase throughout my pregnancy, um, which we addressed with medication. And so were you given the traditional diabetic diet of, uh, you know, 45 grams of carbs? And- no, actually, um, you know, my my providers knew that I was following this way of eating ahead of time. And I said, this, you know, this is what I'm doing. All they were interested in was having good blood sugars right. for me. So sure. they were on board sure. all the way with, with how I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. So there was no mention ever of... Um, you know, ketosis being dangerous or right. anything like that. All all they were interested yeah. in was good blood sugar control, which was great. The other thing is that you're a nurse, so you would have been able to describe your, your symptoms well. And, yeah. and so there would be a level of comfort that they would have uh, in you being able to describe everything that was happening. Yeah, I think that had something to do with it that I, you know, was well researched and, you know, kind of, um, but although there's not not a lot of uh, information or articles or data on the, out there with um, ketosis and pregnancy, you know, there's some mm. uh, rat study or, you know. But it really speaks to what people think of ketosis as being some sort of um, parlor trick or some sort of unnatural state when... You know, the one thing I've learned in the last two years on this journey is that it's just our, it's our ancestral natural state of metabolism that uh, all these carbohydrates we've been giving ourselves for so many hundreds of years or whatever, uh, that's the real non-natural state, right? So, I was, I'm curious if you had any um advice given to you about what to feed your baby once you had the baby like once once we wean and all all that like once they start solid food um yeah i was just talking to a friend about that about you know what we're gonna do um i believe in uh baby led weaning so you know once the baby acts ready for solids and Mm. stuff um 
find it much easier to do finger foods and things like that. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, that'll be a, a, a while. Um, so I'm going to have to do some some research on I haven't really gotten much advice. But my thought was, you know, starting with meats and avocado mm -hmm. and, you know, whole whole food kind of stuff. We're not going to do grains or any kind of um, purees or anything like that. So yeah. um, Tim Nook's trial comes you know, to mind here, <laughs> Richard. Yeah. yeah, don't 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 tweet Tim Noakes for any advice on this because <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't want to get him in trouble again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so so when I was weaned, I apparently um, I was given an option of lots of different food, and I was quite fussy. But the one food that I really really loved was lamb's brains. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really kind of weird because when you think about it, the, that a baby is growing its brain. I mean, that's one yeah. of the major. I mean, ba only babies grow their brains. Human adults don't grow brains. Right. So, um, so you can imagine that the raw materials for building a brain are in brains of other mammals. But the other interesting thing is that in Australia, uh, traditionally, um, the Australian Aborigines used to hunt um, marsupials. And the brains were given to the children. So that was the weaning food. Interesting. So it's actually an ancestral thing. We can, you know, people say, you know, who knows what, what paleo men eat, but you know, Australian Aboriginals, we can ask them because they were paleolithic, you know, 1986 was the last time, uh, the last tribe that walked out of the desert. So, mm. you know, into, into modern world. So we can literally ask them what they ate, which <laughs> is, which is awesome. So I, I th that's my only advice. I, I don't have kids, and so I, I, I'm really ignorant when it comes to this conversation. But um, my advice would be give Bub the option of brains if you have it. <laughs> yeah, I, I do like the idea of organ meats and, and that type of thing. Um, you know, little kids don't have any <laughs> notions about what's gross or, sure. uh, no, you know. What, no weak factor. Yeah, so, um, you know, we'll offer lots of lots of high-fat foods and really nutrient-dense kind of So kinda did stuff, you notice so. any different way that you felt during this pregnancy versus ones where you weren't following a ketogenic diet? Um, so I gained much less weight. So with my daughter, I gained about 50 pounds. Um, and wow. so that, that was a major difference. I, I think I gained maybe 23 pounds with this. Now I did start out a little heavier than, than I did with her, but I didn't have, um, certainly didn't have any swelling or, um, things like that mm. now being 12 years older mm. uh that makes a big difference in how how you feel in pregnancy but um i felt good in general i i would say overall as far as you know um general pregnancy symptoms it's just you know lots of aches and pains and things like that right. but um so you still had yeah, aches and pains but Probably I, unavoidable I aches and from, pains. Just from having a big belly, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And working full time as a nurse wow, and, yeah, yeah. and all of that. But, um, but you know, I, I never had any um, blood sugar, um, low blood sugars or things like that. Um, whereas before I would get this reactive hypoglycemia, you know, when you sure. have the high... High circulating insulin, and then you kind of crash. So I never had any of any of that kind of stuff, which which was great. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so it was rather frustrating to you know be following a you know low carb, high fat diet, and then but to still have the progression of the gestational diabetes, I did find that sure. frustrating. Um, 
Well, I had it's to, caused uh, by something I, else other than what you eat. Right. Then, I, yeah. I did just remember that it was temporary and, you know, I can mm. yeah. be able to heal my metabolism afterwards. And um, mm-hmm. so. Did you try to get advice from uh, friends and family about about what to do, what to eat or or anything like that? Not really. Um, a couple of my nurse friends are keto as well. So, you know, we definitely talk about it. But I felt like I was kind of just charting new territory almost because it seems like no one around me knew knew much about, you know, being keto while pregnant. Mm. So I kind of just had to make my own way and, and figure it out on my own. But I, I really just tried to follow the, the principles of keto, although um, I did increase my protein and tried to focus a lot on, you know, getting more protein as well, because I know that's oh, yeah. beneficial for a pregnancy. So. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So the other interesting thing is that uh, yeah, glucose is a small molecule that p- pl- passes the placental barrier. So when you eat food that has glucose or your liver makes glucose, um, that cut goes straight across to the baby. And yeah. So the baby gets your dose of, of glucose. But insulin is a big Baroque sort of uh, uh, molecule. It's it's a massive thing. It's like 350 times the size of, of a glucose molecule. It's like, I like to say it's like an Olympic ribbon twirler on acid. It's <laughs> <laughs> this big, big monstrous thing. And it, it, it doesn't go across the placental barrier. So, for, so both the mother and baby have to make their own independent sources of insulin. Right. And so... Mm. You know, when your when your daughter twelve years ago, you were gestationally diabetic, so you, uh, uh, and you were you were on the traditional diet, so so you know a high carbohydrate diet, to, and probably much more severe medication. You would have gone through bigger swings of glucose, and so potentially your is it your son currently, uh, right? You, you, yeah, your son probably has a better start than your daughter did because he would have had a gentle low level of glucose a low uh, adequate level of glucose all the time where she would have most likely have been dealing with the swings of all of mm. the the you know the roller coasters so um uh that's potentially you've done him a great favor i think by doing that yeah i certainly hope so and you know the one thing with um gestational diabetes that they worry about is uh, macrosomia or a large baby and um mm. so he was born at 39 weeks gestation um and she was born 38 uh 38 and 5 so almost the same but she was 7 pounds 14 ounces he was only 6 pounds 11 ounces hmm. so there that you, you know that indicates to me that you know that um, she probably was getting a lot more glucose and um, yeah. needing to, you know, adapt to that than than he was. Um, so yeah, yeah, I really do hope that uh, all my hard work and pregnancy helped helped him out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic. So, uh, what advice would you give to um, uh, women wanting to become pregnant who are ketogenic? Um, I would say, you know, you don't have to change your diet uh, you can stay keto um uh and then i would um you know it can be hard in the in the first trimester if you have a lot of nausea or morning sickness um so you, you almost kind of have to just get through that the first few months whatever way you can um and don't be too hard on yourself if you can't you know stay perfect keto um yeah. i i ate a ton of cheese I, joked that my (laughs) 
son was probably half cheese, half chicken wings. <laughs> Those are my two favorite pregnancy foods. Um, but yeah, kind of just, you know, get through the, the first few months, whatever way you can, mm. and um, just do your best um, and uh, eat when you're hungry. I found that I, um, you know, at first I could still just do my, my fatty coffee, but then I definitely needed to start eating, eating three meals a day, breakfast, mm. lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, I would say network with other moms who are doing the same thing as you, because you're going to get tons of tons of unsolicited advice yeah. from many, <laughs> many people. Um, so find some people that are that are, you know, on Facebook or wherever um, who are doing the same thing as you. And, and it, it just helps you feel kind of not not as isolated and, and alone in what you're doing. Um, and then also regarding the glucose tolerance test that that your doctor is going to want you to do research other options um what i offered you know what i what i offered to do was to check my blood sugar four times a day um with Mm -hmm. my normal diet that i was eating and report back to the to the doctor with those readings because that's that's going to be far better data than drinking 75 grams of of glucose and then checking your blood sugar. So, um, cause it's not really going to be accurate if you're, if you're keto or low carb. Yeah. The results are going to look like you're a type one diabetic, you know, which is, uh, you know, it's really abnormal. So you really have to, if you're going to do an oral glucose tolerance test, you really need to eat carbs for, you know, one or two weeks beforehand. And then, yeah. Yeah. And that was something I was not, not willing to do. Um, you know, I knew I had, I had glucose intolerance. Like I don't need a test. Yeah, to don't need a <laughs> show test. me that. I know I'm insulin resistant. I so that's what I told my my providers. I'm like, I know I have a problem. Um, I know I'm probably diabetic, and let's just yeah. treat the the sugars that that we're seeing. You know, so so yeah. I mean, getting a glucose monitor and and doing those tests at home instead, maybe instead of doing your glucose tolerance test, but. But it sounds like you had a, at least a small cadre of people who were in your corner. You know, your your nurse friends who knew it, um, your husband certainly. And, yeah, uh, I mean, it definitely helped to have my husband on board as well and, and us eating the same diet. Because, you know, a lot of times I didn't feel like cooking right. and he was able to, you know, prepare meals and stuff. And, you know, going out to eat, we you know, we knew where we can go and, mm. and get meals and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I felt like I did have a lot of support, but it was very helpful to find, to have my um, providers, uh, my midwives and my doctor on my, on my side too. You know, at one point I ended up in, um, in the triage unit and they had me give a urine sample and, and um, I think I was like 27 or 28 weeks pregnant. And the midwife, who wasn't my midwife, came in and she said, "Oh, I know why you're, I know why uh, you're contracting or having these contractions. It's because you're severely dehydrated. Your ketones are eighty in your urine." I said, "No, I'm not dehydrated. It's just, <laughs> it's just my diet." <laughs> yeah. So, so that was the one time I had someone freak out about seeing ketones. So, um, eighty is that a different uh, measurement than we're used to in the states? Um. Or is it eight point oh? It no, it was in the year. It was on the urine dipstick. So I'm not oh. sure the milligrams per deciliter. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. Hmm. 
So yeah, she she was concerned about the high amount of ketones in my urine, but I right. obviously was yeah. not. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you you got this, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so um, how how about your husband? I mean, how were his triglycerides? Because he lost weight, so yeah, I assume they went went to good. Yeah, so I think he got his blood work done maybe. Oh, because my goal, I wanted to get him off that statin. So yeah. Oh, he yeah. <laughs> actually had a different um, different doctor. Uh, his doctor left his practice, so he was seeing a different doctor, and I went with him to one of his appointments. We got his blood drawn maybe three or four months after after we started keto, and his triglycerides had normalized down to, I think he was nice. like 140 or something. Nice. So I Excellent. said, can we please get him off this statin? Because I don't think it was doing anything <laughs> for uh-huh. him. Because his, his you know, total cholesterol and everything was normal to begin with. It was just the triglycerides. Sure. It probably would have lowered his LDL. I know that if, in my case, the statin did as advertised. It lowered my LDL, but everything mm-hmm. else went to went to hell. I, my yeah. uh, my glucose control fell apart, and I just I ballooned up. I just you know I I put on like uh, thirty kilograms. It just hmm. in, in about three years, it was just massive. Yeah, so, yeah it certainly um, didn't do yeah. him any favors. You know, <laughs> so. So have you found a group so, yeah. online of uh, of keto parents and keto mothers that that you collude with now? Um, yeah, I you know I haven't. There's a few ketogenic pregnancy and breastfeeding groups out there, but I can't say that I found like a like one that I've really attached myself to. Mostly just Daisy's group on on Facebook, right? Um, yeah. So uh, those are the women that I turn to for support. Yeah, uh, Good mostly. Group. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really is. That's great. Um, any anything we missed? Anything else you want to add? I don't think so. I just, um, you know, I just want to encourage anyone, you know, who might be dealing with gestational diabetes to um, really, you know, especially if you're keto to begin with, really, you know, trust trust what you're doing. Don't yeah. buy into the I have to eat this many carbs, you know, because. The, you know, education that they give people once you get that diagnosis is, you know, for anyone who has the diabetes diagnosis is really just wrong. So I would ignore most (laughs) of the advice that you get from dietitians and and all that if they tell you you need a certain amount of carbs. Yeah. Um, Need and carbs don't go together in the same sentence. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, the advice I give to my diabetic patients that I see my cardiac patients, I, you know, I tell them, you know, you got to, um, you know, find your own carbohydrate tolerance, too. So you might be able to tolerate a little little bit more. Um, but, mm. yeah, you just have to dial down the, the carbs to, to keep it to your tolerance. And there mm. was one book that my midwife recommended to me, which is... Um, you know, and this was before I was keto, but it's actually a really good book. And it, there is a whole chapter kind of on ketosis and how it could be beneficial to a baby and to mom and all this. Um, it's called Real Food for Gestational Diabetes. Hmm. And it's by right. Li- Lily Nichols. Um, Great. So we'll put a link it, to that. It's, yeah, it's a pretty good book. Um, there's recipes and things in, in there, too. But it does have yeah, a chapter on ketosis. And I remember talking to Amber Ahern. And she raised her kids completely in ketosis. Actually, she raised them to be uh, carnivores. I think her youngest one. Her youngest. Her y- one yeah, that's did. right. Her youngest yeah. one. And yeah. and he, um, you know, is like 
a super super kid, right? Never has yeah. <laughs> he never has the sicknesses that uh, these other kids have. Never had right. that in preschool. Wasn't always out sick and antibiotics and any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, you know, my my daughter so far has been quite healthy. She does um, you know, she did breastfeed for quite a long time, so I'm I'm sure that has something to do with oh, it. Yeah. Um but she definitely um, prefers to eat carbohydrates, and, and you know I haven't been able to get her on the on the low carb. You know she Kids. says sometimes she'll say I want to yeah. do keto, and she's a gymnast and stuff. So I mean I see a lot of me and her. Like I grew up on carbs and all this mm. stuff, but um, so hopefully it'll be interesting to see how my son does. Uh, yeah, you know differently. Yeah. Very good. We'll have yeah. to have another show in ten years or so. <laughs> no, bring him on. Our little unequals one. Yeah. yeah. And what's his name? So, Are you going to say his name uh, on the show? Yeah, his name is Finley. Ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's been awesome, man, Lee. Thank you very much for joining us. That's, yeah. that's been uh, a great uh, story. I, I, I've been watching your Facebook progress, and um, I, I don't, as I said, I don't have kids myself, so I haven't gone through the process with my own partner, and so mm -hmm. it's been, you know, it was uh, enlightening. Yeah, yeah it was, it was uh, definitely a, a journey. A little bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for having me on and letting me share my story. All right. Thanks, Annalie. You're welcome. Thanks. Bye-bye. Excellent. This is a message that needs to be heard. Absolutely. Especially, you know, we were bringing up the Tim Noakes trial. I mean, people lose their nut when they hear about children, you know, in keto, right? They think this is not healthy. However, it just makes me mad because why does being ketogenic for the first two years of life while breastfeeding, and that's perfectly okay, mm. but then if you don't like move them over to Fruit Loops and yogurt, <laughs> you're somehow like a bad parent. Right. I just don't understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, I don't have kids of my own, so I'm I'm sort of observing as a as sure. an impartial observer on yeah. this. But but that was certainly a fascinating interview with Annalie, and sure was. Uh, and uh, we look forward to hearing more about her keto baby. Absolutely. And that brings us to recipes. <laughs> you know, Amber's upstairs. Is she gonna come and do recipes? Recipes. <laughs> All right. I'll go first because I got a simple one. Okay. I actually made this um, – anytime that I have carnitas or I have some sort of really salty meat mm -hmm. that I'm going to – you know, especially pork or, or steak or something like that, I like to make a, a crema. And a crema is simply sour cream and lime juice. Okay. But I put uh, lime zest in it because that's where the flavor of lime is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very simple. A cup of sour cream, you zest off or grate off the zest of one lime. Mm-hmm. And then you squeeze half a lime, okay. just get the juice. Mm -hmm. And if it's not limey enough for you, add a little bit more. You can do it to taste. Some people will add salt and some cumin or something like that. Uh, you know, if you, you, you should have those flavors on your meat. Sure. So what you really want is something that balances it out. Yeah. You know, so you have that zip, that tang, and it, you know, and then against the salty umami of your of your meat yeah. yeah and remember use full fat sour cream don't Absolutely. go for the low fat stuff because that's it who knows what that's got in it yeah i don't know how they make low I fat cream either. that's just crazy it is a little crazy <laughs> mm. that's what i got
Yeah, so my recipe, I was going to do uh, Shannon's recipe, which sounds awesome. Yeah. But we're kind of doing these small dish recipes. Right. And so what I want to do is one called Hagao. It's, a, a, again, another Asian dim sum recipe. And this one is going to be using uh, shirataki. Yeah. And uh, so n- normally, you know, you can buy shirataki. It's, an, it's, a, it's a starch uh, substitute. It's actually... Right. It's a kind of starch that we just can't digest, right. glucomannan. But it's uh, it comes in sort of pasta shapes, and you can you can buy a lasagna sh- shape uh, and fold that over some food and make a, a make a small dumpling out of it. Mm. But I decided I wanted to try making sh- using glucomannan powder the same way that somebody uses rice yeah. to make uh, to make the um, rice uh, wrappers. Yeah, yeah, and so. T- just to give you the recipe for rice, you have equal amounts of water and rice and you blitz it really finely. Mm. You blitz the rice dry first to right. a powder and then you add equal amount of water and then you blitz that very finely. And then what you do is you put it in a plate in a steamer and you steam that and that makes rice noodles. Now, this is with real rice you're that's talking right, about. That's right. That's with yeah. real rice. Okay. So, I wanted to replicate that. Yeah. Uh, so, what I did was I used glucomannan powder. Now, we had a bit of an experiment once where we tried to make and we had like yeah. half a cup of glucomannan powder. Yeah, it was not and good. And it, it turned into, it turned it turned into wallpaper paste. Wallpaper paste pretty quickly. It was actually a con- it was actually called konjac rice. Yes. But it wasn't. It was sort of these congealed dried balls of glucomannan powder that right. were just terrible. Yeah. But the, now if we'd used just a teaspoon of that, that yeah. would have been fine because that's, right. that's the amount you, that you actually use. Yeah. So there's a trick to using glucomannan. You need to alkalize it to set it. Mm. So you use you can use something like uh, the standard is to use pickling lime, yeah. which is a uh, – I think it's a calcium hydroxide that um, – uh, it's a very weak form of calcium hydroxide, uh, and and basically it sets the glucomannan. So the the general process for glucomannan, you take a teaspoon of glucomannan and about a cup of water, and you blitz that up. And glucomannan powder, if you have konjac root powder, that it's would be the same, the same thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly yeah. the same thing. So um, and you blitz that up, and then you put it in the fridge to sit for like thirty minutes, and it'll sort of start to set, but it's not really quite set. It's, it it looks a little bit like wallpaper paste. It's mm. kind of um, uh, consistency. Mm-hmm. So now, what you're going to do is you're going to um, you're going to add to that uh, either some baking soda or some pickling lime, and this is to alkalize it, and this is what's going to set right. the final form. Yeah. Now, I actually use a plate in a steamer, and I put the uh, this glucomannan gloop onto the plate and I spread it finely with a spatula. That makes sense because yeah. you want a thin sheet at the that's, end. That's exactly right. And so yeah. um, so I, I made uh, these thin sheets. Now, I had the temperature up too high and they were bubbling. And so I ended up with like pock marks. Oh. In, but it was still fine. It looked fine. It actually looked quite interesting So mm. in the end. So anyway, that's the, that's the recipe for uh, the rice noodles. So I got to ask you, when you took that off the plate, yeah. did it hold its shape like a wonton wrapper did? Um, it was kind of like a piece of plastic like a rubberized plastic um, so it did hold it yeah it did absolutely held it shaped together wow. um and it was it was quite i mean if you were to cut it with a knife it would it would split easily and okay. and, and and pull apart so like a lasagna sheet or yeah, a wonton yeah exactly like a moist like a like a, a rehydrated lasagna sheet wow. yeah so um so now what i did was i had these circles 
I, I had a 10-inch uh, steamer and my plates were about 9 inches in diameter. Mm. And so I had these 9-inch circles. Now, the plates, by the way, you want to get plates that have a sharp lip at the end. Yeah. You don't want to have ones that have a, a shallow uh, sort of curvature. Yeah. You, want the, you want the plate to be pretty flat with a sharp lip at the end because that's how you're going to mm. be able to create the, the depth, the same depth across the thing. Right. Okay. So for the filling, we're going to use prawns. Now, I used uh, a recipe from Serious Eats. I modified it a little bit to not use cornstarch. Good. And we'll put that recipe on our um, on our uh, on show bar. notes. But the, uh, and I'll, I'll put in the blog exactly what I did for that recipe because I've got some pictures for that. But now the mechanism of how you make these uh, little hagao is that you cut the um, these round nine-inch uh, in diameter uh, shirataki noodles, you cut them in a square pattern. And so in each of the quarters of, quarters of this square, you put a little bit of the, of the shrimp, and now you get some egg white, and you brush the egg white around it, and you fold it over the shrimp, and that seals it to make a little package. Now, do you have to, like, press down or anything, or does the does it just naturally no. glue itself? No, it, and you don't... So, with some dumplings, you'll, you'll press a fork in to yeah. make an indentation. There is no way to make an indentation in this shirataki. Uh, yeah, sure. It's like s- solid plastic. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, Oh, it's like shirataki noodles. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... And then, you, and then you steam them like you normally would. Uh, I steamed mine for about 15 minutes in a uh, in a steamer and they didn't come apart they didn't come apart at all great you, you have to put them gently into the steamer sure. and you put a piece of paper down for them for the for them to go on in the steamer yeah. but they were delicious and the the shirataki really worked well what they call these hagao the english term for these hagao is crystal skin prawns huh. so you want them to be you want the prawn inside to be visible from the oh, outside right sure like a summer roll would yeah, be yeah, know, and this, yeah yeah and this shirataki came out almost translucent that's great. So it worked perfectly. So That's th- they were delicious. So and I'll, I'll have pictures of them. On, and you could on use that bottle. for any kind of filling, right? I mean, I mm. think of the summer roll. You know, that has like some fresh veggies and chives and some shrimp and maybe yeah. some pork. You know, then in a dipping sauce. Man, the, the possibilities are endless for that. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, there you go. So, but now I've got to say that the egg white uh, wasn't a very strong glue to hold it together. Yeah. Um, so a couple of probably two out of the eighteen that I made fell apart. But, okay. uh, you know, they, they, they were certainly the taste was accurate to Hargau. Great. And uh, I found them delicious. Excellent. Sounds so good. That's my recipe. That's a show. That's a show. From Breckenridge, Colorado. Of course, if you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something you don't agree with, some more research that you found to support or refute anything that we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com or post it on our website. And you can follow us on Twitter at twoketodudes, on Instagram at twoketodudes, and make sure to use the hashtag. Two Keto Dudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.twoketo.com. And if useless swag is your fancy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and all that junk, head over to gear.twoketo.com. And if you want a shot at getting some of that swag for free, join the Two Keto Dudes fan club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub.twoketo.com. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, including Two Keto Dudes, Keto Woman with Daisy Brackenhall, and the Obesity Code podcast with Jason Fung and Megan Ramos, think about making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. Or just hit the donate button on our website at www.2ketodudes.com or go to donate.2keto.com. And you can also see all of our podcasts and other videos that we do on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. If you haven't already, go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. 
That's how new people get to know about what we do. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Well, keep calm and keto on, Richard. Yeah, keep calm and keto on, Carl. All right, and we'll see you next time on On Two Two Keto Keto Dudes. Dudes.